Soon after his election as Pope, St. John Paul II wrote uh, an encyclical letter to the church called Redemptor Hominis, the Redeemer of Man. And one of the things that he said in it was the following uh, statement. He said, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless if love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. How truly the saint encapsulates in this statement the desire of each of our hearts We desire to love and to be loved as human beings, to know and to be known. We desire to be able to give ourselves away. This is a a deep desire in our hearts, and we desire to be cherished by others. Yet so often we miss the mark, brothers and sisters. We fail to love. We fail to allow others to love us. Now why is this? I think, in part at least, it's because we've reduced love in our society to an emotional state rather than a skill which requires practice. The prevailing concept of love that we see uh, portrayed um, kind of in the culture, in movies and in literature and in music especially, uh, that's on the radio, is simply an emotional state. It's a vague sentiment. It's only a love of the emotions, but not a love like Jesus is talking about in the gospel today with one's entire mind, soul, and strength. This merely emotional love, which is good as far as it goes, is not the love which satisfies completely. It's not uh, what Jesus is saying is the fulfillment of the law. It feels good, but on its own, it lacks the consent, the, the giving of the entire person. So if love is not merely an emotional state, brothers and sisters, what is it? It's a skill. More specifically, it's a virtue, a habit, which leads to flourishing. Mature love looks like willing the good of the other as other. This, by the way, is how God loves. He loves us even while we are still yet sinners. He loves us all the way to the end, willing our good even when we can do nothing for Him. And then He invites us to participate in that love. This is what John Paul II is saying, is inviting us to, that the fulfillment of our lives is found in the, uh, the reception of the the ability and then the working out of uh, developing the capacity to love as God loves. Now, each one of us is born with a potential to love. And in baptism, that potential of human love is elevated to the potential to be able to love as God loves. The love of God, says St. Paul, has been poured into our hearts through the action of the Holy Spirit. And God and then invites us to love as he loves. But just as other innate potentials, you know, things like speech or musical abilities or, uh, or whatever it may be, must be developed, so also it is with our capacity to love. In this developmental process, right, we face not insignificant challenges. We 
face very significant challenges of things that keep us from being able to love. Things like concupiscence, that tendency towards doing what's wrong even when we know it's wrong. We face the challenge also of the effects of our sins and past in the sins that were committed against us and the sins of others in the form of vices, which are the opposite of virtues. So these are things that don't conduce to flourishing, but are habitual actions which actually lead us away from the potential, uh, developing the potential which God has given us in our life. And friends, the development of the capacity to love is an essential part of our uh, journey as human beings and particularly as Christians. The Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about it like this. It says that learning to offer oneself in love is a process which demands, this is the quote part, an apprenticeship in self-mastery. An apprenticeship in self-mastery. This self-mastery, far from keeping us bound, actually allows us to be free. Free to be able to do, to develop free to be able to love as God loves. Now, if you think about it, learning any skill uh, requires a certain submission, a certain mastery, a certain submission to the laws of a discipline. Um, I have a friend named Alex. Alex was one of my roommates in college, and Alex is an incredibly intelligent human being. Uh, He has a PhD in economics, and he just happened to get a double major when he was an undergrad in uh, music. So uh, he was an incredible human being. And he had spent years learning to play the piano. When he was about 12, he was playing for the diocesan choir uh, here in the Diocese of Austin. And he, just an incredible human being. Um, but Alex, uh, one time I was giving a talk. It was when we were in college. And uh, and. And I was giving a talk, and Alex had never, he did not know what I was going to talk about. And he was sort of, um, you know how like in, in this kind of stereotypically Baptist church, the preacher's preaching, and then there's like an organ behind the, you know what I'm talking about? You got to shake your head, yes, if, if you know what I'm talking about. So, okay, so the example works, right? Uh, so Alex did not know what I was going to say in the talk. But he was able to literally play hymns that related to the scriptures that I was talking about throughout the entire talk and change the hymns. So when I was talking about uh, John the Baptist, he was, talk- he was uh, doing like on, on, uh, on Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry, right? And then when I was talking about Jesus on the cross, he was like, what wondrous love is this, right? And it just made them go together perfectly. But how could he do that? Because he'd spent hours and hours and hours practicing the piano, learning the scales from when he was really young and and figuring out how to play these different hymns and, and learning and submitting himself to the laws of music. And thus he was able to improvise this. He was able to to put things together in a a new way, a way that um, was incredible. He embodies that law of the piano in a certain sense. Likewise, brothers and sisters, it is with our capacity to love. Love cannot develop except by practice. It cannot develop except by submitting ourselves to its laws and 
to its commands. And God gives us commandments. He gives us law in order that we might learn to love. You see, law is not the fulfillment of charity, but charity does fulfill the law. Without the law as guide rails, we would go off uh, by ourselves. You think about the Ten Commandments, for example, or the laws that we heard about in, um, in the first reading today. What do they do? Well, they, they, they give us the, the, the space in which we can learn. They give us the ability, the, the kind of the guide rails, the guiding principles, um, which in, in which if we practice them, we actually learn how to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourself. And that, that ability to give ourselves freely and that is the fulfillment of, of life right there. The ability to say, yeah, I, I have myself, therefore I can give myself away. I can offer myself in self-gift. Our perfection is found in imitating Jesus' self-gift on the cross. Man cannot find himself, in fact, except through a sincere gift of himself. And God's law teaches us to love by making a total self-gift of ourselves. That was a lot of selfs in one sentence. It provides the conditions for the possibility of us choosing to freely give ourselves. We're made for that, brothers and sisters. And we, we learn how to do that by following the law and by imitating others who have done it as well. Now, friends, we said that practicing love is the way to actually get good at it. Um, we, God gives us the potential and he gives us the actual grace to, to choose in every moment to love. And today we have a particular opportunity um, for such self-giving love, which comes in the form of the Catholic Services Appeal uh, that, that the diocese uh, has asked us to participate in today. Now, as we think about this appeal, we think also of the generations of people who have given before us to make this place possible to make sure that the gospel was proclaimed and the sacraments uh, were celebrated here in Temple, Texas. One of the things I love to learn about is the, um, the history of the evangelization of the state of Texas. In particular, uh, just close to my heart because I'm a priest, is the, the stories of these priests riding around the entire state of Texas. There's, there's a story of one of the bishops that I read. Uh, he started in Galveston. He went all the way to Dallas, all the way around to El Paso and went all the way down the Rio Grande Valley back around. It's like a 4,000 mile or 3,000 mile journey on a horse uh, while people were uh, going to try to kill him, right? So there, there was, it was an amazing story, these, this self-sacrifice. But you think about the families and the, the people who gave and who were able to provide for uh, the sustenance of the church, we're able to provide for the education of priests. We're able to provide in more modern times, you know, this building that we're in and these lights that are on and, and all of those things don't just happen. They happen because someone makes a self-sacrificial gift. You know, today is an opportunity for you and I to make such a gift of self because if you think about it, when we give money, what we're, what we're giving is actually part of ourself, right? We've, in, in a certain sense, we're, we're sacrificing, we sacrificed to earn that money, and we're saying, I, 
I turn over control of this to you, Lord. Um, by giving to the CSA, you're sacrificing like St. Paul for the benefit of others because you're not giving for your own benefit primarily, but for the good of others. We recognize that a gift to the CSA um, is a selfless gift because it helps make possible the continued proclamation of the gospel and the celebration of the sacraments for others who we may not even know. It helps the poorest of the poor in our diocese and it aids youth and young adults to know Jesus. It helps seminarians to be formed as your future priests. So um, the ushers have passed out those pledge cards. There's more in the pews as well. Um, and I would just ask that you take a moment now, look at this pledge card and decide how you want to give. So there's a lot of different ways to give. You can give uh, making a pledge. You can uh, go online if you want to pull out your phone and do that right now. That's fine with me. You can call them, um, all those sorts of things. Now, friends, my goal for us, my expectation for us as a parish is that everyone gives something, right? We all have different means, and, uh, and that's, God has blessed us in different ways. But I think it's really important that uh, we recognize that we're not, we didn't create ourselves as a parish. We didn't uh, cause this place to come into being, but rather it's God's gracious gift that allows us to do that. And in, in giving as he gives, giving from our, uh, from our very self, we're able to imitate him. And that, that makes all the difference. So thank you for participating in the CSA. Um, thank you for your gift. Um, and you can put your pledge envelope when the, when the ushers um, come around for the normal offertory collection. Uh, you can put it in the, in the offertory collection at that time and we'll make sure it gets separated out and sent to the diocese. You know, friends, we give not because of what we get, but because by giving, we learn to imitate Jesus who gave all for us. Thank you so much for considering a gift. And um, we're just going to have about 30 seconds to a minute of, uh, of music here that will give you a chance to fill out those pledge cards.